Geek Shock. Geek Shock. So what's with the Hawaiian shirt? It's just a Hawaiian shirt. It wasn't oh. like it was Hawaiian Day or anything oh, like that. Okay. It wasn't like a planned theme. You, you, didn't, no. you didn't come here in your Mormon outfit. It That's wasn't was uh, yes. wear a Hawaiian shirt to work day. No, no, none, okay. none of that. Uh, you know, I was just thinking Miami Vice, Hawaii Five oh. O. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll do it. My, Miami Vice. I don't Vice? think they ever wore Hawaiian shirts in Miami I, I, Vice. I don't remember that in Miami Vice. Yeah, some people like the extras in the background. As I'm saying, just not, not, not. Uh, what's his name? And I'm the other smelling dude. a lot of bullshit right tubs. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's confusing Miami Vice with Magnum PI. Ah, I right. think you're right. Which it can happen. Sure. Oh, sure. Or even Burn Notice. They were wearing Hawaiian shirts and Burn Notice a lot. Nah, nobody would confuse anything with Burn Notice, Andy. <laughs> no. They both took place in Miami. Uh, anybody watch the new Hawaii Five O? Yeah. No. no. I don't plan to watch it any further, though. Yeah, is it just because Daniel Day Lewis or Daniel Day? Are, are you watching? <laughs> Daniel, wow. Daniel Day Kim. I thought he was tired. Yes, yes. Daniel Day Kim. Yeah. Um, so Long day. It's it's been an ensemble show for what seven years now? I think this is season eight coming up. Freaking eight seasons Has of that really show. Been that long? It's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I was looking. I was like, wow, really? Apparently, CBS was in contract negotiations with uh, Grace Park and Daniel Day Kim. Really, Daniel Day Kim? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Less I'm, lesson I'm saying his name wrong. I'd have to look it up. But yeah. anyway, long story short, uh, they were refusing to pay them more. The two headline stars, even though it's it's because they're of show. the minority. Yeah. So, so they were like, "Fuck so you." Rather, you know, they just basically okay. cut off negotiations and kicked them off the show. Oh wow! And oh. Uh, their co-stars, who could have stood up for them and said, you know, hey. We're not doing this show without them. Did nothing. Remained silent, and so I don't see the show surviving without that formula of the four main characters, as opposed to just so two of the four main characters. Eight seasons, Hawaii Five O, two point Thirteen episodes of Firefly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Go figure. Welcome, folks. This Geek Shack number four hundred and two. I am wow. Master Dorgo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. Fact check Dandy. What the hell? Man, we're to talk. <laughs> we can't. You what wait, the fuck? You waited too long. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so eight seasons. You, uh-huh. You've you've watched it regularly up till yeah, now. Yeah, I've watched it since the beginning. It's been good, obviously. That if you've it's been, been okay. I mean, it's had its ups and downs. It's been okay. I don't give it's okay to, seven seasons. It's hard to explain. I mean, I I, I enjoy the family dynamic um, of okay. the characters. So you keep coming. I back enjoy for the, the scenery. I mean, because it is shot in Hawaii. I mean, it's gorgeous. Is it like a um, is it like a Caruso type character? Because that would that would interest me. The, the actual characters, I think, are very interesting. They're very dynamic characters, and you know how they interact with each other, and you know the various cases they get assigned to. There are certain elements of the show that I don't particularly find because those appealing. one-liners at the start of every single like when you arrives to the scene kill me every single time like yeah they kill me oh, but yeah. in a different way mm. yeah yeah the guy's like you know frozen to death in the I freezer used, i used He's to like, watch i guess someone wasn't cool enough <laughs> yeah or something <laughs> 
Dano puts the free. Wasn't cool. I, uh, do they still say book him, Dano? Yeah. Good. And they work it in, uh, well, they worked it in interesting. Uh, Dan- uh, Daniel, the character, his, uh, his daughter couldn't say his name growing up, couldn't say dad, so she called him Dano. And so. Uh, oh, really? That's what they that's, wrote for that's it? That's how they. Uh, Stall a writing here on this show. McGarrett caught on to that and started calling him Dano. And he goes, please stop calling me Dano. Only my daughter gets to call me that. And it became a thing. So. Nice. Yeah, nice, fun. really. They don't. They, they don't, don't seem nice. They don't. They Seems don't do it contrived. as often. They don't do it as often. But uh, uh, no, <laughs> I was going to tell too you. Hard to be I was going to tell you, man. I, I, I'm a big fan of CSI, especially the original one. That's that was my favorite of the series. So I watched all the spinoffs. At a certain point, I don't know why I kept watching Miami because it really started getting bad. I don't know why either. And Todd would come in and go, "What? Really? Really?" And, and just would watch Caruso scene shoot. And, and you're like, yeah, as you put on your glasses. He would, I, I would, I, very few times in all the years I've known him do I see him get like almost frustrated to the point of being angry. But he would watch that and just go, Ugh, and go like marching back to his room. And I'm just like, okay. It just, it just got under my skin. I can't even explain it. It definitely, I would have to say, was the worst of the spinoffs. I, I, mean, I agree with you. And I never watched a single episode. And I don't. Worse I, than CSI Paducah? I could watch that one. Actually. I don't okay. know what the fuck you're talking about. Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a thing. Oh, <laughs> must have been a joke. <laughs> Not even a Here joke. Here it comes with a CSI pillow. You can't preempt- <laughs> that, was, that was a beanbag. Andy, Andy, you can't preemptively <laughs> smother a joke. That was a beanbag chair. You can't smother a joke that you're making. Well, and do it before you actually get to a Jeff. A, Jeff, I don't think you should underestimate Andy. So uh, yeah, looks, like, uh, looks like looks uh, like someone sucked at making a joke. Wow! Yeah! <laughs> it just wasn't very punny. Yes. yes. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> God damn. Oh God! When and, I was in, and when if I was it's Andy, he adjusts the eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> we never got around to it, but when I was in Florida, I'll I, keep an eye out. For I got uh, I got the little intro clip to CSI Miami from the scream going forward, and Barry and I were gonna do like a bunch of stupid little puns, and I was gonna stitch them together on the video editor I have on my phone and send them to Torgo just just. To punish him, and we never got to punish him. It, so. Why didn't you? Hey, yo, no, you want to know why you didn't? Because Barry was like, "We could do this, and then we could do some no, 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 thing, no. and then we can." So you almost no. did that. Yeah, we almost did. <laughs> thank that, you, thank you, Andy. Andy. Appreciate that. Uh, we ran out of time. Let's just say everything was not that much to do. Everything Florida, was man. very scheduled. We we <laughs> were ha- we had a we S- had a back on wear Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> I grew up over there. Come on, what? Come on, you in know the winter time. You know Deb when she plans. You know you follow <laughs> Deb. You just you, she leads and you follow. My folks have a place so, in Tampa. We I did not know this about you. This I didn't know new. you were a summer Floridian. Winter. Y- you're 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 half Canadian. Yes, I guess. He's oh. a snowbird. So I might have to borrow your your pad then, because uh, a friend of mine lives down this near is Tampa. A, this is yeah. a huge revelation because <laughs> it explains so much. <laughs> like, like how he could be the angriest Canadian. You're half Floridian. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, us Canadians, that's propaganda. Okay, we're not that nice. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the story. Oh. <laughs> I want that shirt. No, fuck you. There's no story. <laughs> I want that shirt. Nice red shirt with a white uh, Canada map right on the chest. And then below that, we're not that nice. 
Who would recognize a Canada map? The Canadians. Not even the Canadians would recognize a <laughs> Canada map. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, Andy, now you're just trying too hard. You're like dragging I'm, I'm that beanbag behind you. I'm going, trying to picture a map of Canada. Reel it back in there, Because Andy, of the, uh, the Mercator projection, it's just a mess. Mercator way, either way. Because of the what? Mercator projection. Oh. Yeah. He's talking about how they used to make the maps. Was it, the way that it looks on the globe, that countries are more scale mm-hmm. than when they are on a flat map because of the way they designed it. It's a projected image, so, you know... You know, freaking like Australia looks like it's <laughs> twice the size of. I thought it was Mercator. Could be Mercator. I don't know what he was. Saying. He was like rrr, 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 rrr. that's oh, yeah. why I was like, there what? I learned that in school. Solo. I learned it in school. Welcome to cartography shock. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Well, according to Andy, I was north of the wall, so I was, you know, <laughs> I took my uh, vow of the black, whatever the fuck it is, and uh, fighting white walkers. No, yeah. No, Although that. I saw that episode, that was a good episode. Yeah, I just survived. Kirsten yeah. was right. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh man, yeah. you know, because it it there there be, we gotta be careful. Oh no no, I'm okay. not gonna state anything specifically. But uh, I watched a the the supposed script leak. This was like eight or nine months ago and somebody did a video discussing the game of thrones script leak which is supposed to be all a season seven mm-hmm. and it was interesting watching the stuff that did happen and then the stuff that did i actually watch it with professor biggs okay and we'd sit there and and then so and so does such and such a but and biggs would be like nope and then blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that happened <laughs> and then there was a, a real big one in that script that happened this last episode, and yeah. I, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, "It makes so much sense," but oh my god! So hmm. I, I came across the apparently it, it keep it was on Nerdist.com, and it keeps reappearing every couple of years. The fan theory, this fan theory that uh, that Bran Stark is actually the Night King because of his ability to travel into the past through as being the Three Eyed Raven. Like we've seen in in past episodes, where you know, the, especially the Hodor episode, where you actually find out why he always says Hodor. But uh, <laughs> thing, it, interestingly enough, they put a side by side picture of the uh, the Night King and Bran, and they do look very similar in their facial features. So I don't know, we'll see. Hmm. But that this is like apparently the fan theory is that this is a cycle. Like he keeps trying to go back. And set things straight, but after so many failed attempts, he actually became the Night King, and you know that's what started the cycle over. Wow! So it's an interesting theory. Um, wow! We'll see what happens. So it's obviously, dark next tower? year. Ah, who knows? No, no, no. Todd's Dark Tower. Every time Todd's I try dark to get tower. up, they pull me back in. Dark Tower. Roland becomes the Man in Black. Becomes what? the Night King. What? Yeah. Is now what he said in Dark Tower that it's a bit, it's a loop. Well. That's the, what Todd said. That's yeah. what Todd said. And so this would be a loop too. Jesus. It's not a huge stretch, guys. <laughs> oh, dude, what? that is Stretch Armstrong yeah. taffy pull stretch. <laughs> you and your connections. You draw some. It's like, that's a big stretch. Oh, my so. word. I really don't think so. No, uh, that's, well. that's, that's big. So what did we do this weekend? Let's that's see. A good question. We played some impasse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Imperial, yep, Imperial, Imperial Assault. Assault. Okay. No. okay, impasse. We, we call it impasse. You call it's, it impasse. All right. Yeah, it's, it, it's a tough game. Have you guys played it? No. Still have not. Yeah, it's really, really good. So 
We got did, our asses handed to okay. us by Lewis because, you know, he's got one strategy, so he's on the same page. He doesn't worry about, you know, five other people doing their own shit. Yeah, there is that. So that's he's going to major advantage that way. But And yeah. just to remind, and this is a, a min- miniature strategy Star Wars with a very minor roleplay element. Uh, or is it no uh, sort of character it's building? Very much like the, the, the rune, rune Lords or the, remember that? Pathfinder game you bought? Oh, the Pathfinder card game that you yeah. you have. So you have a constant character that goes through these situations. Right. Yes. But and then you slow. The only difference is is that <clears throat> as opposed to yours where there was very modest advancement, this one has a little bit more advancement. Okay. So you've been playing the same characters this whole round. No. Yes. Well, oh. no. There's a couple different. There's a couple different ones. <laughs> yes, played. we have. Uh, no. Taffy pull. <laughs> it's it's such a sh- no. <laughs> we played four <laughs> missions of the same characters. Right. The previous ones we've been talking about. We, yeah. we played like one. It was like a five mission arc, and then we we're done with those characters. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it is finite to the characters. Oh yeah, yeah. The longest missions. Like campaigns, if you will, are like 11 missions, 12 Which is missions. what we're on now is like an 11 right. mission. An 11 mission. So you do that, and then you can start over with the same character, but you're going to start at a lower point. You don't really level up your character. You spend experience on additional abilities, modifications to current abilities. You can even spend it on a special equipment for your character. Um so you have side okay. quests. There's like uh, for the you you know, someone's playing a Jedi. They don't start with a lightsaber. You have to go through their side quest to find it. Oh wow! Or I think actually you can buy it. There's one, but it's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. Well, black market. I would assume is where yeah, you find exactly, that stuff, yeah. right? Mm. So. Problem with the game though, there is a flaw, and it's every single mission you have to rush. It seems. Yeah. So it's like you have a time limit of turns yes. to get it yes. done, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's like you have six turns to get to the data pad, which is behind a couple blast doors, and I have all these guys in the way. And you have to move. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Yeah, the one we played this time was impossible. When yeah. we, and I looked at it, and it's like we looked at it and said, even if we weren't fighting anybody, even if it was just a room, we couldn't have beat the room. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah because you had to, you had to get... We were super undergeared. That was the problem. Most, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. things you're fighting have like two, uh, three to eight hit points total. An eight hit point thing is like a huge beast. The doors had 16 points, and they kept sealing up and shooting at us. And we had to get through three of them. This kind of reminds me of those chess puzzles <laughs> you would see in the newspaper where checkmate within so many mm-hmm. turns. Yeah. yeah. Except right. Star Wars in some randomization with dice. Right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh, there and there is that. The dice rolling. Like oh, Lewis yeah. can defend with like a black die which has um, minus like hit points and things on there. And he tends to roll like a beast. Like, he, oh. it's sick. It's sick. <laughs> you can you can um you can like block hits which are actual damage. And you basically get one through one, two or three block. And he's constantly rolling two block, three block. Um, and then we're struggling just to get three hits. So he's constantly knocking them down or eliminating them entirely. So you get some bad die rolls. You're just not going to win this yeah. scenario. Yeah, we figured out Andy over there rolls like shit. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I seem to recall this anyway. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's, he rolls like Jesus. Although no, the funny part is... 
we were playing this time, and, and as I was about to roll, you Matt, Matt goes over there and says, it says to Paulette, oh, oh look, he's going to screw this up. Now watch this, Paulette. Watch this, Paulette. And, and, we, I, and I roll crap. We actually sat there and said, Matt, keep your mouth shut. Don't jinx this. And as Andy's shaking his hand, Matt goes, watch this, Paulette. Dice comes out, boop, 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 like the worst result. <laughs> and we rode Matt's ass so hard for the rest and of the night. And then he like, kept rolling the dice and going, oh, look, there's the three. Oh, and there's the three. And then I go, there's look, look, Andy, I pick up the red die, which he just rolled. I go, it's not so hard to roll three. And what do I do? Roll three. Right. <laughs> so then he picked it up again. And as he started to roll, I said, watch this, Paulette. And boom, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are magic words. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Cray, cray. I saw the um, mysteries are the uh, net rift tracks, rift tracks of uh, the the uh, the three the five doctors. doctors, five doctors, five doctors. Maybe the, the I should track. maybe I should take over the storytelling at this point. Go for it. You were with me. Go for it. <laughs> Andy and Renee and I went and saw the rift tracks uh, coverage of the uh, five doctors. The, the, the live the, the live right. version okay. of the theater. There is a three uh, doctors. It is in riff it. Yeah. Yeah. There is a three doctors. Yeah. He's right. Uh, God damn, those guys were totally yeah. on point on this thing. More so towards the beginning of the show. Towards the end of the the show, it was uh, the jokes were waning a little bit. weren't as as great as the ones that they're bidding. But like the first two thirds of that thing, yeah. they were just on fire. And I mean, the uh, safety film was brutal. Oh, oh God, they had the shorts, <clears throat> wonderful. Yeah, it was a British PSA called uh, Play Safely or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, it's basically about avoiding power lines. And like in all these situations in England, apparently in in the 70s, the power lines in England were like really low. So they have all these things like... They have, <laughs> like, like three feet a kid, high. Yeah, kid carrying a pole over his shoulder, a fishing pole and going to cast and almost hitting the power line. They're, they're rolling a little... Uh, one of those mini sailboats down to the the water, and it, the the mast yeah. hits the freaking power line and shocks them. And like, uh, there's one where they throw a frisbee, and it goes into a power substation, and it's sitting on one of the transformers, and the kid sneaks in through there and goes to grab the the kite. Uh, excuse me, the uh, the frisbee out of the the little post on the transformer and turns into a Decepticon turns into a fried oh. pile of just like <clears throat> yeah, it turns little... into a pair of burning pants yeah <laughs> um, narrated by David uh, Atwood no it was two cartoon oh. birds talking and every yeah. time something oh. awful would happen to a kid one bird would go oh, what happened to the kid oh my it's like, well fortunately, and, oh, fortunately he's okay and then near the and end then... it's like oh no he's dead yeah <laughs> like two kids get killed in the safety thing that sounds like it's worth the price of admission. Oh, my God. It was, it was so, so goddamn funny. And part of the plot point is they're trying to get to the Dark Tower. And at some point... What? They, yes, they're trying to get to a thing called the in, Dark Tower. In, in the Five Doctors, there is a, the Dark Tower of Rassilon. But they kept referring so to this it as is the a Dark Tower. Way in the future is what yeah. you're telling me. Okay. So, anyway, ironically, not the worst movie that was being screened this year, this to, summer about to, a Dark to Tower. To feature a Dark Tower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yes, uh, yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah. And it totally reminds me how, especially like the 80s era Doctor Who run was very much of its its own years. Oh, God, yeah. It was a product of its era. And it's so difficult to watch now. Really? You, uh, it's, the script it's writing, enjoyable, but you can, you can it's see enjo- the crap. Yeah. Is, it is so, so bad. The script writing is way better now. But back then, you know, I, I it was say okay. Say that about but, a lot of Doctor Who, right. early Doctor Who. Well, I mean, well, yeah. there's a the, the uh, you know an odd bit of this one is that uh, it's the five Doctors, and they bring back all five Doctors up until that point, 
except that one of them has died, so they replace him with a lookalike. Okay. Yes. Uh, and Tom Baker had just basically gotten out of the role like a year before and, and wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> so they they, 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 they found used, old footage yeah. from something they hadn't used before, and it's, yeah. he got unused, caught in a time loop. Un, unused, what? yeah. They, yeah. So, yeah, with Tom Baker's doctor, the fourth doctor, they did, used unused uh, footage from a previous episode and then basically pasted him in oh that's so crazy it's the five doctors but one of them is stuck in a time loop and you know so that it's really the four doctors right oh, wow. i can never get into doctor Hugh. no every time i try to watch it it's like okay no. not for all seasons i've enjoyed what i watched but it's, i haven't watched it in a but while yeah we had a good time it was we a did. lot of fun um, I went to Brad's Toys and uh, Nerdgasms last week. Mm. Finally, finally, finally got to go to see those. What do uh, you think of Nerdgasms? Nerdgasms is, has a very cool collection if you're an autograph hunter. Okay. That's um, right. They mostly have autographs. Yeah. This is the one down the street. Yes. Right, next next to the right next Hall to fame. the Pinball Hall of Fame. Yes. Um, the sad thing is some of the, so they have some really nice like rare collectibles, but they're all autographed. Now, if you're a collector, the downside to that is and actually having an autograph on a rare piece yes. lowers its resaleability. It lowers its value. So they're charging, in some cases, like two and three times what the thing should be worth with autographs on it. So, Did you tell you know, them? Like, you know... I, what am I going to tell them? Gonna they're they're going to sell it for what they're going to sell it. A collectible it. is worth what everybody, anybody will pay for it. Yeah. Now, the one exception would be there was a uh, Master Replicas Enterprise from the original series that uh, back when this came out in the early 2000s, they had what was called the Signature Series. It had a little plaque with actual signatures from the, uh, many of the actors that were uh, on the original series. And it was mounted on a plaque that went on a display piece with that. So that one is very rare. It's very hard to find. They did have one, and I think they were charging uh, five or six thousand dollars for that thing, which that's easy is actually we'll get it. worth <laughs> because you know over half of the actors and producers that signed that original plaque for this limited edition version of that Enterprise are gone so mm. you'll never be able to get these autographs again so but yeah like they had um what? they had a they had a phaser replica that was really nice that had autographs all over it um they had something i had it, been and looking it uglies for. up the piece frankly it does mm. the way they have it signed i mean there are a few things there are very few things that i have signed that i want to you know many of them i know i'm not gonna ever part with or mm. sell but something that's like a really rare piece and very, you know, very collectible. I don't put autographs on them because yeah, it 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 doesn't. Some of these things are fine pieces of craftsmanship. They're they're works of art in and of themselves, and you've got autographs all over them. It just it it, it yeah. you're right. It uglies it up. But uh, now, uh, but other than that, no. I really it, it had a really cool collection in there. Did you what? happen to see any Babylon Five memorabilia in there? Like, <laughs> no, because no one cares. Um, <laughs> damn it! It's such not, a good show. God damn it! <laughs> I did not see Babylon Five stuff there, but last week they had a couple of the um, the twelve inch figures at Zia on West Sahara, as well as when I was at Brad's Toys, they had a couple of Bab Five stuff. Oh, what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> They're long since closed. 
Zia, you might be able to make it. You're kind of close. But yes, Uh, Nerdgasm is really cool if you like. uh, They have a lot of mounted wall hangings that have (laughs) autographs on them. You know, typically pictures that have the sign plaques next to them or not. What really broke my heart with Nerdgasms is their comic book collection. Oh? Because... Their non-existent comic book collection? (laughs) What? They had a couple of long boxes of comics when I was there. That was about it. Nerdgasms? Yeah. Uh, Like a fifth of the store's comic books. Uh, not when I was there. The whole there. back wall. Well, they had a few on display on that back wall and, when and I was there on uh, stands, but that was it. I was there a week ago, and they had glass case upon glass case, mostly comic books. I don't Which, know what to tell you. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you either. I know what I saw, but the problem is, is that <laughs> all of them were autographed for the most part. Uh, Very few of yeah. them weren't. Yeah. And that's what broke my heart. Yeah, and that that actually really, like, especially on comics, it to- it. You can have a comic book that's worth, let's say, $1,000. If it's got an autograph, even if it's the creator, it drops it by like two-thirds. It's, it's, it's crazy. If, Depends so, on the market. It keeps going back up and down. No, no. The autograph market, in fact, every, every show I've ever watched about is like, if you want to be a collector and have something potentially that you might sell later on in the future, do not get it autographed because you will not get probably what you paid for it. A word of advice, of if you have a expensive comic book, a highly collectible comic book, and you want to have an autograph by the creator, that you're going to go to a con, you know they're going to be there, and you have, you know, I don't know, Spider-Man number five, put that Spider-Man number five in a case, like one of the ones that they they do the, you know, the actual rating on, where you can yes. get your yep. rated on a scale of one to ten. And have them autograph the outside of that case and not the comic itself. You have that you makes get, sense. You have the autograph with the piece, uh, but it's not on the piece itself. But it is together as a set. CGG, is that I right? Think, CGG, yeah. Uh, one of the suggestions I saw was uh, take a little uh, little card, little cardstock, have them sign the cardstock, and then put that inside with the signature facing out, so that it, it makes sure that it's acid free, so it doesn't bleed through. The cardstock and then onto your comic and then damage it. It's yeah. not as but, displayable, uh, but sure, you can do that. As and well. then uh, another one I saw, they actually sell these. They're these little, um, they're like little brass plaques, and um, a portion of that is painted white and can be signed. And then it has uh, like a clear coat sealer. So after you have that little plaque signed by whoever it is, and after it's dried, you can put the clear coat over it so that signature's not going to run off. And it's um, it, you can use that to display your comic. That's and nice. So, so okay. you can have that sitting in that display stand. It's pretty cool. But yeah, Nerdgasm's priced way out of my market, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of that stuff's way overpriced. Uh, yeah, that was one of the, Even the un, unautographed stuff I was noticing was a little higher than, than even like normal resale market value. I got a feeling they do double. most of their stuff online. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, how was uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Defenders? Uh, can't speak to the last two, but <laughs> I, I did finally watch episode six. Yeah. of uh, Luke Cage. So I'm further than I was. Me too. Ironically, I ended up watching all of Luke Cage this weekend. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, so I, you I, watched one episode to Andy's whole series watch. Yes, but I finished all. And, and I finished then I watched all Defenders. of Dying Light. That game, I finished it all, including the <laughs> the add-on stuff, so that's all done. Mm-hmm. I'm halfway through Lovecraft Country, the book that uh, we discussed as a red light, green light a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been both a joy and a disappointment. <laughs> um, 
the only reason is disappointment. Lovecraft Country, I can't remember the author right now, is a really good book. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Lovecraftian-style stories, but the characters, uh, re- continuing characters, it all takes place during the Jim Crow era, when Jim Crow laws were still in place, Which, and all the characters are African-American. Oh, wow. Matt Ruff? So, yes, that sounds right. And so they are dealing with two different kinds of evils mm. at the same time. And it's a really interesting wow. take on Lovecraftian stories. Uh, the thing I don't like about it is it's in the style of novel that I don't like. Uh, and that is long-form stories, where it's like a 400-page book, but there's actually five episodes, five different stories about these same characters. Kind of like what uh, a Warlock Holmes is. Or even Sherlock Holmes, for that matter. And that kind of novel doesn't speak to me because... So it's, what, quite, it's, it's a question of long, short stories. Yes. Okay. The reason it doesn't speak to me is because when I'm reading a whole novel, I'm getting that, that whole story, and when that story is done, I'm ready to move on to the next story. Mm-hmm. The next novel, if you will. Not this is in the same group. This one, that first... I didn't know this was the format of this book. I should have looked a little further before buying it. But when that first story was done, I'm like, because I'm like, this is a really good story, and it's ramping up fast. I wonder where they're going to go from here. And then all of a sudden, it's ended, and then there was another story with one of the ancillary characters moving forward. And I'm like, now my my story mind is like, now I want to go read something else. Yeah, well, that's exactly the experience Kay and I had with the Defenders. It was ramping up, and I'm like, wow, what the hell are they going to do with the second half? <laughs> Oh, it's eight episodes long. Yeah, yeah. Except, except in, in this case, you know, you'd have more story to go to. All right. Yeah. Um, rewatching Luke Cage a second time, it is better than I recall. I mean, I remember it being very good, but the second half being weak. And it isn't that the second half is terribly weak. It's that the first half is so strong. Okay. Um, the second half isn't as stylistically intense as the first half. Okay. Um, Interesting. Uh, and it's more superhero-y and so not as interesting. Um, Diamond, that, Diamondback I, is a much less interesting villain than Cottonmouth. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> Movie Bob actually does a quick shot review of Defenders. And he, I, I say a lot of his points are on, on point. Hey. Yep. And uh, you should look it up on YouTube. Uh, one of the things that he actually points out is... Uh, a flaw in Netflix's binge release mm-hmm. is that you make the whole you make the whole season, then release it, and if there are problems in the show um, that come up from the audience, and you you see these problems through the audience, or you just gauge audience reaction, you can't course correct mid season. Mm. You're stuck with what you've got. And he relates that to Iron Fist going into Defenders, because I hear that Defenders kind of it's it's a makes it, Iron Fist a little better. It's yeah. a it, it makes the character a little better. Finn is a little better as Danny Rand, um, and it pretty much continues his story. Yeah. So they bring in other elements to connect it, um, but you end up with. Um, <coughs> 
you end up with a, a kind of like almost like a second half of Iron Fist. Well, huh. yeah, I mean, uh, although <laughs> uh, we watched a, uh, I mean, I already watched Iron Fist, but we watched a 10 or 15 minute recap on, on YouTube where somebody basically covered all the points on Iron Fist so you don't have to watch it, uh, which wasn't bad. Um, he still doesn't act as well as I'd like him to. I don't know. How, and he's not awful. It's just that everybody else in those series is such a good actor, and he is okay. Yeah, and not huh. great. I, I just I do not like the choice of him being the hothead right. when he is the martial artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody is supposed to be cool and disciplined, it should be the martial artist, especially the one who went through the greatest test and and got the iron fist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless unless they're going to go with some gimmick like he accidentally got the iron fist and you know, whoops, there it is. Mm. We're stuck with this. You know, I don't I don't really <laughs> the choice just doesn't all really work. All our greatest for American me. hero. <laughs> right. Weirdly, <laughs> yeah. Luke Cage yeah, is the of. one that's not tied into all the defender stuff. I mean, there 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 is some elements but the whole build and arc and the whole building to the hand coming in that doesn't isn't touched on at all in Luke Cage. There's no element of the hand in the Luke Cage. But when Defenders comes along, you you are seeing some of the characters in Luke Cage. You're seeing Misty Knight and people like that. Yeah, and they they start moving some of those characters forward too. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there there's some interesting stuff there. It's it's going to be interesting to see where this they thing go. stomps all over the Bechdel test too. I realize in the middle of it, there there are there are relationships, but there's a lot of scenes of the women talking about. Stuff that has nothing to do with their men. Yeah. I have this question about Defenders. Does, a la Phase 1, 2, and 3 of Marvel, does Defenders close out this phase, or does it open up the next one, or does it do both, or neither? I would say it closes out an arc. Okay. Uh, Yeah, closes out a pretty major arc. Okay. But does it open up anything else, or does it just uh, say, Um, okay, this ends Phase 1? Yeah, I don't. I don't quite know if I. I see what you're saying, and I say it. I, for me, it's kind of muddy. Mm-hmm. It actually is kind of muddy. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're told major uh, villains are gone by the end, but you know, as but in you don't every every one of the series. But the impact of that. It's kind of hard without getting too spoilery. Yeah, sure. Basically, some characters who show, some villains who show up in Defenders are kind of like the next level of previous villains who died in the, uh, in the other series. Okay. And in many ways, you, you know, um, you could have, you could have said that so and so didn't die, and this is him. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! You know, so it, it kind of goes that way. You, mm-hmm. I, and I think yeah. you know ex- yeah, yeah. expressly who I'm talking about. Yeah. There's there's one who's very much like that, and so with them either dying or being defeated, I do kind of have a sense of eh, because the next season there'll yeah. be a, another avatar yeah of that particular slot of villain you know sure, this villain sure. slot here shk. yeah i guess that's what you get with the street level heroes kind of thing kind of they do have i mean they do a really good job of putting together the uh luke cage iron fist dynamic that i loved in the comic even oh, wow. though i thought the comics were eh. i love the comics even though i knew they were poorly written 
Uh, and it's, you know, that's always my complaint about Iron Fist. Um, but when they get together in the Defenders, I really like the dynamic between those two characters. Um, and I, it's really satisfying when, when the Defenders all come together as a team. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. they're, not, they're not a team when a thing starts, obviously. And then they, if they pull together. And uh, it, that is a really great moment when suddenly they're all together. And then there's another whole episode where they're trying to figure things out. And then there's a big fight scene at the end of one of the episodes. Like, oh, there they are. That's the Defenders fighting. That's fun. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> I just can't get excited for this series. I, I really love Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Was kind of eh on the rest of the characters. So I'm like, I'm trying to convince myself to go forward to get up to the Defenders. But I feel like I have no desire to watch any of it right now and Are i you, don't know even jessica jones yeah i, I wow i mean i know todd likes the character a lot but now, i just was let me just ask you like, this eh. before all these shows happened mm-hmm. of these characters which comic books had you read prior um i'd read a few with luke cage in them was never really that hot on the character um had not read any of the you know uh I forget the Jessica Jones alias. Yeah. Alias, thank you. I've never read any of that stuff. Iron Fist. Uh, nope, no Iron Fist. Daredevil. Daredevil, yes. So I yeah, mean, it says a lot there. I just, I don't know. No, I found it incredibly satisfying. You know, it's only eight episodes. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm st- like I said, I've, I've, I've started up again slowly, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm moving. We'll so see. Gorney Weaver. We'll see. Freaking amazing. <laughs> Spoilers. She's, she's in all the previews. Yeah. Yeah. all right john let's do a little email all right uh first a response regarding uh uh what's the movie that uh, you brought up the the rugger hauer film oh god yes all right uh what was that Kay? the the one the game Game of heroes game of heroes yeah Uh, we got an email that i'm thrilled you all mentioned this movie as it gave me a gentle reminder of watching it constantly back in the 90s you're correct in your assessment of a genre. It's actually a sports movie that happens to be set in an incredibly rich post-apocalyptic world. Now, I don't want to give spoilers, and I doubt I can remember any, but at the same time, I really want to entice people to go seek this movie out. So here it goes. In this world, there are a number of underground cities. If I recall correctly, there are nine, but you can only interact with one. The rich and fortunate live in these cities. Outside the cities are the dog towns, scattered, impoverished villages in a Mad Max desolate desert kind of environment. Everyone seems to play one complex gladiatorial style game. Each team has a spike that they defend. The ball is a dog's skull. Each team has one smaller fast player, termed a quick who generally moves with the skull. The rest of the team is populated with position players, each with their own specific weapons. As one might expect, the fighting is brutal and bloody. What is really important to mention here is though it, it though it is though what's important to mention here though is that while the game has complicated rules and plays, it's completely internally consistent throughout the movie. You learn more and more about the game as you move through the movie, and as the story moves along, we find that Rudger once was a professional player who lived in one of the nine cities. He was banished for reasons you learn along the way. His team loses its quick early on, and much of the plot revolves around integrating the new quick into the team and discovering they are now good enough to try and compete against the pro teams of the nine cities. And there's a ton of social commentary. 
all in all, I really think y'all would enjoy it. Thanks, fuckers. From Jeff the Currently Living. Huh. That reminds me of um, that description and what the teams are in each position with all their weapons, like Blood Bowl from Warhammer. That, yeah, you know what? Yeah. yeah I can. Thinking that. And that's I wonder a, if it's based on that. Yeah. It's funny. Well, actually, is a Blood Bowl before or after? It would be before. Yeah. Yeah. It um, it's funny too. The mentioning the quick, I instantly went to Quidditch. Quidditch, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which I've still never. Figured we talked out about this before, before, like like movies that involve games, and we talked about a game called a movie called Quintet that only I I remembered. Yeah. I looked it up, and the rules are on. You can find the rules. They actually did mass produce them. Not mass produce. They did produce the game at some oh. point. Quintet. Quintet. And and it looks interesting, but it's it's very chess like. It's very in your head kind of game. Okay. Well, th- thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your writing. I'm actually now more interested in yeah, this yeah. because I, I like bloody apocalyptic sports yeah. games. It's about the only sports I want to watch. Okay. So Running Man, this movie, right? What else we got? Rollerball. Rollerball. Yeah. Rollerball. Robot jocks. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Come death, on. Death, That's full moon stuff. That's good stuff. Death yeah, Race 2000. Good stuff. Death Race 2000. Jeffrey Combs mm-hmm. is in that. In what? Robot Jocks. Oh, okay. Next email. That's Wayun. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. I know this seems early, but Dinosaur Dracula's Halloween countdown starts this week. What? Uh Dinosaur Dracula. I know what Dracula yeah. is. He but. does a countdown every year, and he finds the most kitschy, nostalgic, strange Halloween stuff, food and decorations, and each day he showcases one of these items. And he starts this early. He starts this early. Wow. And, and go, you know what? Check him out, Dinosaur Dracula, and check out all the years prior because super entertaining. He's good at what he does. So, so... Yes, Dinosaur Dracula's Halloween countdown starts this week, so I'm ready to start prepping for Halloween. And I need your help picking movies. Here's my situation. The early 90s Pepsi and Doritos Universal Monster Promotions hooked me hard on old monster movies, so somehow I never watched what you would probably consider to be staple horror franchises. No Friday the 13th, No Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Saw, etc. Where do you think I should begin... If I want to get some movie nights in as Halloween approaches, do any of the classic horror movies still hold up? If I didn't see them in their era, here's a meager list of what I have seen. The Exorcist, Halloween 3, Alien 3, if that counts, and Friday the 13th, the series, if that ever counted. Valuing your insight, Scoop John B. Now, weirdly, of those movies, classic movies he's asking if he should see, I've only seen the first Friday, the only I've only seen the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I haven't seen any of those other ones. You need to see Part Three, really. Nightmare on Elm Street Three, okay. is the best one. Is that the Dream Frank, Warriors? Yes, Frank okay. Darabont. I've heard you tur- talk about that. Turning before. Nightmare on Elm Street into a adventure movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he said Alien Three. That's what he saw. Actually, With, one of the best horror movies of the I guess eighties is Alien. Alien. Aliens? Alien. Yeah, Alien. Alien, the first one. Yeah. 1978, I think that was. Yeah, 79. Yeah, 70, 79. 79. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually, that Andy, that's actually a pretty good, because Aliens is an adventure, action-adventure movie. It's, it's a war right. movie. But Alien yeah. is, is actually, horror. it is horror. It's, it's a haunted house movie. 
or walk for more. Yeah, more. I remember Ridley Scott talking about how the suits were coming down on him because they're like, the first 45 minutes are pretty boring. And he's like, well, it's tension it's, building. It's <laughs> slow. But then all this stuff happens afterward. And it was the way it was the way Scott said it because he he managed to sound like he was <coughs> an adult talking to children, <laughs> you know. But it's, it's I think that's a good point. I was um, gonna say that's because studio execs are children. I, I, I myself, I'm in the same position. I'm not big into splatter. Yeah. So the, for me, I still remember the Halloween, and it was it was within the last ten years when it was like Halloween movies all day long, blah 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 on TV, and I tuned it up because I'm like I'm gonna watch, sit here and watch all these Halloween movies while I get ready for trick or treaters. And it's Friday. It's it's Friday the thirteenth. It's Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I mean, they, they they pulled out all the stops. Maniac Cop. Oh wow! Uh, you know all and and I'm just sitting there because I was for me the Halloween marathon. It was is an education. Universal. All <laughs> oh, right, it was right. Universal um, monsters, monster Dracula, movies. Mummy. Yeah, Mummy, right. Wolfman, Wolf. Dracula, Frankenstein, Phantom and, of the Opera. And I'm just th- sitting there going, oh, wow. How times have changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's it's just it's, it's actually same time error as Alien, um, American Werewolf in London, a year or two before that. I would oh, I would definitely recommend. Oh, that. and again, same time period, Cat People, the Cat People and the size of Kinski. Interesting. That is some that, high level creep. Yeah, that actually does have a a lot of a lot of that in there. Yeah. What American Werewolf in London does, which. Few movies can honestly say is it is equal parts horror and comedy yeah. and is able to pull off both well. It mm-hmm. does. It does. No, I don't know any other horror comedy that one side the comedy works, one side the horror works. Neither do the two work together. This is the only movie I know where they work it's together. True. Yeah, I think um, Evil Dead like really skirts the line. On right. That. Yeah, you're right. Well, that that one might be able two, to, I but, it, but say. Yeah. the first one was almost straight up horror. Yeah, there was like was almost no comedy in it. Yeah, but Evil was, Dead Two was like really kind of walking the line between. Sure, the and, and, and the maybe comedy. you can put Return of the Living Dead in that category yeah, as well. Stuck but they still don't period. do it as well as American Werewolf. The Fright yeah. Night was that the one with Roddy McDowell? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that one comes in close. That one is more of a romantic comedy adventure horror. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ah, near dark. Near yes, dark. That dark. will fuck you up. That mm-hmm. is one of the most visceral uh, vampire movies out there. I mean, th- that movie you really do just like get get the hint of utter helplessness if mm-hmm. these things were around. And Bill Paxton. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let the right one in. Well, I mean, I'll Let the I'll right throw this in. out there. Uh, when I was a kid. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, because that straight up, <laughs> sure, but I don't think we can <laughs> well, no, classify no, no. that as horror. But it's much more horror than the rest because sure, there's it has less more adventure horrific. and a lot yeah, more is. creep factor, more horrific and supernatural, moments, more gross and, moments. Yeah, you know but, when he but, pulls that guy's heart out of his chest, uh, that was pretty creepy. And then, but not a horror movie. Not well, not yeah. directly a horror movie. No, but it's definitely not as much of an adventure film as. Sure. As the first and the third. I might put it as much of a horror movie as Gremlins. Maybe Gremlins a little more. That's uh, mm. well, yeah. Gremlins. Is, I think Karen in the same thing. park though. We don't we don't like the splatter flicks as much as you like just being scared without 
I mean, oh, yeah, just, just straight the out psychological out. horror, horror yeah. is way more. Well, that and, and supernatural horror. I mean, there's so many different levels. Yeah, yeah. there's so you many know. in different categories. Whatever you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean uh, and, and and for the splatter, it's not like I hate the genre as a whole. Um, it's just I'm not so engrossed into it that I want to see all the iterations. I saw Halloween. And that is one hell of a fucking movie. That is the king of all slasher mm, movies. No, yeah. no slasher movie beats it. Right, right. And and I saw that and loved it. And and I just you know I really haven't gotten it. I, I saw Nightmare. I saw I saw Dream Warriors. I've seen Friday the Thirteenth. Well, a couple of them, um, but uh, nothing compares to Halloween. Well, we haven't the, even mentioned. I just realized I'm wearing a shirt with Kurt Russell on it. We haven't even mentioned the thing. That's uh, straight up yeah. horror. The thing That's is highly recommended. I yeah, saw, there you go. There I you actually go. saw the thing and cat people in the drive-in double <laughs> feature. Yeah, the thing. One of the best horror movies of the eighties, yeah. easily, and yeah. one of the most creative when it comes oh, to yeah. creature design. Yeah. Oh my god, it, it totally creeped me out the first time I saw it. Like you know, when you know, just the one that stands out in my head is when they're trying to defibrillate the guy and then the hands go through the chest mm-hmm. and it becomes a mouth and chomps off his hands i just i that one vividly spoiler sticks in my brain <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's so funny jeff you mentioned that because you know the scene that got me in the thing it uh-huh. was it was the most innocuous moment actually is when they're doing the blood tests uh-huh. and they puts the hot wire in the one sample of blood and it just yep that just that for I don't know mm. why exactly I can't explain it, but that was the moment in the movie that blew me out of my seat. There's that a lot theme. of them in that movie. The beginning when the the tentacles come out of the dog and just start mm. flying everywhere. Poor it's, dog. I know the blood testing scene of the thing is one of my top ten favorite movie scenes ever. There you mm. go. It's yeah. definitely without a doubt probably I, yeah. even in the top three. That was a tense tense fucker. You know, it's funny. I, I remember, uh, speaking of the thing, the, the sequel that was technically a prequel from uh, right. a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people um, booed it because saying there was a lot of CG, and I'm like, you don't realize how much practical effects work they actually did in that. Because there's, there's a whole, I mean, I just saw it on YouTube recently, there's a whole behind the scenes where they're doing all the creature production and all the practical onset effects. Here's, oh, here, movie, here's the thing about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that thing you saw was mm-hmm. not. Most of that was not what was used in the movie. They originally were designing it that way, and then the studio wanted to cut it down and insisted on digital effects. Uh, hmm. How was the movie though, as a, as a whole? Because I never saw that one. It, I think it's pretty good for a prequel. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's it's one of the few that I actually enjoyed. It, it's it has as, like, such a high bar to live up to. Right. That it's probably better than your average. Mm-hmm horror movie of its type but to put it in the same category as the thing that's rough for any movie to get mm-hmm. away with yeah well and you, and you pretty much know going into it that all the characters have to die because it leads into how the you know the next sure movie starts so i mean it's these are all kind of disposable characters basically it's one that, of the big that problems was one with prequels which will yeah. come back to later. right that was one of the things about alien when i saw alien for the first time you don't know if anybody's going to live. Oh, no. I mean, everybody, the, the, that's a, a really good horror movie. Anybody can die at any time. And and that was the case of it, that movie. It was so well designed because you didn't have those little script clues that they like to put in that, that 
oh, there's this moment with this character. You know that character is going to die. Or this is happening with this character. You know they're going to make it to the end. And they didn't do that. Right. Yeah. They really yeah. disrupted that formula, and that's what blew you away. Mm-hmm. Another quick shout-out to Hammer Horror Movies. Sure. So Now, if you're getting a hammer, be aware that some of them are Oof. Oh, be a little slow. Yes. And the other, some cheese to it. But there's also a lot of love for the genre mm-hmm. in that. I'm mm-hmm. not familiar with this one. The Hammer Hammer was a studio in England okay. that basically rebooted the Universal movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the Frankensteins, the Draculas. But they made a lot of them yeah. over the course of a few huh. decades. Dr. Fibes, is that one of theirs? No. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of Christopher Lee movies. A lot yes. of Christopher, Christopher Lee, movies Lee. Hammer movies. Christopher Lee as okay. the mummy. Uh, Christopher Lee as the Dra- as Dracula. I can't remember the titles, but the first Dracula that he did for Hammer, the mummy, that mummy actually established a lot of the movie tropes that we now have for mummies. Um, <clears throat> and then the, the first Frankenstein they did. Also, Peter Cushing as Van Helsing. He's, he's actually my favorite Van Helsing. He's pretty cool. So, Yeah, you want a nice trip down Horror Lane, yeah. and you do like the classic Universal monsters, give Hammer a shot. Yeah. And there was a really weird from. one called Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter. Yes. I remember loving. Yeah. <laughs> just, just steer clear of the Abbott and Casello with <laughs> Universal monsters uh, if you want true horror. Yeah, they're, 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 they're good. They're, they're, just, they're just not in the, yeah. the same vein as the monster yeah. movies. They aren't here. scary. No. <clears throat> I did put together a list of some favorites you might add to your Halloween list. We mentioned a few of them already. Uh, one I want to add, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, you really uh, like it, that it's one It's a, a terrific de- deconstruction of horror movies. And if you have seen some of these that I'm about to mention, uh, you'll enjoy Leslie Vernon a lot more. Much in the same way of uh, The Cabin in the Woods. The more horror movies you've seen, the more you're going to enjoy the movie Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, that one was surprisingly good. I I just was really impressed. I went to watch Cabin in the Woods and one on Netflix when uh-huh. I was uh, oh, and lay, sick with my laying on my belly because I couldn't. It's off Netflix. God damn it! Boo! So it was only on there for like eight years. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the original Poltergeist. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg directed horror film that you will. That's just so full of just some of the craziest haunted house moments you could possibly have. Yeah, yeah. Steer clear of three, though. <laughs> no, steer clear of the other ones. Two is Two's acceptable, okay, but, but no. the only good one yeah. is the original. Cronenberg's uh, version of The Fly. If you oh, want an yeah. example yeah. of what body horror style movies are, that's Ugh. the best one. Oh, God. But The Fly is terrific. The original Haunting of Hill House by Robert Wise as director. Mm, Vincent Price? 1963. I think you're thinking the... Uh, House on House of Hill? Wax? No, House, House on Haunted Hill. Hill. Yeah, that's yeah. the one you're thinking of. Which is fun, but a lot more cheese. Okay. Mm-hmm. But ha- Haunting of Hill House is a great example of a psychological haunted house movie. It's where less is more, that mm-hmm. kind of style of making. The original Hellraiser, another fine piece of body right, horror. Right, right, right. Uh, Evil Dead 2, we mentioned. Uh, in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Donald that, Sutherland. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrific. Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Reanimator for some uh, over-the-top. I was the hoping you could mention that one. If you want some over-the-top uh, horror, that's what you want. Return of the Living Dead, we mentioned. I highly recommend that. Lots of fun gore, but also a lot of comedy in that one. And it likes to go back and forth. It doesn't do it equally, but it do, that one starts going comedy, then it starts going horror, starts going comedy. It can't pull it off at the same time, but it does both well. And uh, the original Child's Play, 
Uh, the original Todd Browning's Freaks from, I think, 1934. Oh, wow. That's, that's a deep cut. Nice. Uh, Freaks is fantastic. And at the time, actually cast famous uh, freak show freaks from around the country and part of Barnum's Circus at the time. One of us. Yeah. One of us. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. If, but yep. be aware that it's also a very brutal film. There comes a point in that film that makes it very hard to watch. That's uh, easy. And uh, two of my favorites, Clive Barker movies, uh, Candyman and Nightbreed. Mm. Candyman is another fine deconstruction of what makes a, a myth. So Candyman, highly recommended. I like Candyman, but Nightbreed is really good. Yeah, that that also skirts more as a adventure movie versus a horror mm. movie that that that's on that cusp. Right. But uh, but yeah, a lot of fun. And you get to see David Cronenberg, the director, as an actor doing it well. Oh, really? Okay. He yeah. plays the uh, psychologist. In that. Of all those ones you listed, the one I'd watch right now, if you, if you popped it in, would be Reanimator. I love Reanimator. Reanimator is so oh. terrific. And now you have a frame of reference for every time they talk about the Cronenberg universe and Rick and Roy. Right, right. Yes, you do. Exactly. <laughs> so that's those are my suggestions for your... I hope you have a really long Halloween viewing party. Yeah. Like four days long. Yeah, really. Take a weekend. Uh, let's do some news, gentlemen. We got some time, right? Uh, I suppose. Oh, that means we have time for news you don't give a shit about. Oh, God. You know, it's the same thing <laughs> every single podcast. <laughs> no, it's a different horror every time. Okay. <coughs> oh, this one. Oh, this one. I don't even know how to wrap my head around this one. Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment are adding another Batman Universe spinoff movie. This one telling the origin story of the Joker. No! No. The Hangover's Todd Phillips will direct the film and is also writing the script with 8 Mile writer Scott Silver. Uh, Martin Scorsese is apparently going to be working with Phillips to produce the project. Uh, Deadline Hollywood reports the intention is to make an origin story that isn't connected to any other film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Joker has memorably, be, memorably been part of three Batman movies. You know, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, to now Jared Leto in the Suicide Squad films. Uh, Leto will reprise the role in Suicide Squad sequel and the Harley Quinn spinoff, but this new origin film will launch the character with a different actor, possibly younger. Uh, filmmakers also intend on making a gritty and grounded, hard-boiled crime film like many of Scorsese's films. Uh, set in the early 80s Gotham City that isn't meant to feel like a DC movie. Uh, Phillips and Silver are apparently writing already, but there's no hint as uh, where this story will eventually fit in the DC timetable. Don't origin story the Joker. Red don't, light the hell out of that. Yeah. Don't do it. It, that, it rarely works. Never works. I mean, I mean, even in the comics, it, it's kind of neat. I shouldn't say all of them, but... Many of them, they kind of keep his his background vague, so that you don't really know, you know, how he became as crazy as he is. But I mean, the Nicholson origin story in Batman, I thought was kind of lame. Sure. I mean, the, the, although, although it's it's a, it was straight out of the straight out of the comics in the forties. Uh, it it's it well they mashed up two different yeah. origins because they they took Joe Chill's origin and right, Napier's origin and blended them together. And actually, that's, that's actually where Napier comes from is from the movie. Yeah. They actually came up with the name then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Plus, and, and Nicholson's still not my favorite Joker. I mean, I know a lot of people loved him, but he just seemed like a more extreme version of Jack Nicholson to me in mm-hmm. that film. If, if you, I agree with you. 
If you really yeah. need a Joker origin story, The Killing Joke might be where I send you to, the comic book, the original comic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's a good uh, one. Maybe not the cartoon, but I, I can't I, I can't even fathom with, with the current DC universe as it is what they would do with this that would make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, even if they made it a gritty Scorsese-esque. Uh, and, and I like Scorsese mobster films, but yeah, that, that's not a, a Joker to me. The best Joker origin story to me is the Heath Ledger Joker where he just keeps making up a new one every right. time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best Joker origin story. I don't and, know how I got these Absolutely scars. my favorite Joker, too. You don't, you don't know where he came from because you don't know where he's going. That is what you think yeah. of with the Joker. Uh, and they added the scars, which is new for the Joker, and that works. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't like it as the cr- super creepy smile grin guy, but it works. <laughs> Not to mention the, the way that uh, Ledger played that, where he was constantly, like, if you watch it, he's like constantly rubbing the inside of his mouth with his tongue. Like he's feeling those scars every time he talks, you know, mm. you know, <clears throat> says a different origin. He's like, want to know how I got these scars? And uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it kind of adds another element to the psychosis that he has. And it just it's really fascinating. I, I still uh, won't. apparently he got really method in that, though, because they said he was occupying that character both on and off set. I pretty much came to the opinion that I'm not going to be happy with the Joker design until it looks like the man who laughed from the Universal Pictures. Right. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's 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 to me what Joker should look like. Now, have you actually ever seen that movie? Nope. I it's available. I've just everywhere. seen pictures of it. And like, that's the yeah, Joker. That's exactly what it looks like in the comics. You're right. Um, I've never seen it either. I'm just wondering if the, the movie's any good or is this a good creepy image? Don't know. I. I I assume that's one of that's one of the ones that's available, right? That's not like London after midnight. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's out there. Okay, okay. Man, I, that's something I should probably rectify amongst the other hundreds of geeky things I need to rectify mm-hmm. in my life. Right after Luke Cage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in all things in this time, all things this time. <laughs> Although you know what? Take take that half that an this afternoon. one this one's so pressing that maybe I should put it ahead of Luke Cage <laughs> because it's just so forward right now with this whole Joker thing. That I need to know. God damn it. If they're going to do a Joker origin story, maybe this is it. The man who laughs. No? Okay. News do you what, don't give do what sh- you do. <laughs> you don't give a shit about. <laughs> After the poor response to Allegiant, the third installment of the Divergent films, Liongate decided last summer to develop Ascendant, the planned fourth film into a television series. Uh, actress Shalene Woody has said that she's not interested in doing a television adaptation of Ascendant, while Theo James, Ansel Elgort, and Miles Teller have all echoed that sentiment. Now, Lionsgate, who produced the film, is in partnership with Summit, has acquired stars. Deadline reports they're planning to adapt Ascendant into its TV series for the Stars Network. Ascendant will be written by Adam Kozad, who's writing Suicide Squad 2 and wrote The Legend of Tarzan, Yay! And developed by Lee Tolan Krieger, who's behind Riverdale and Age of Adeline, uh, both of whom are already attached to the film. Did anyone see any of the whole Allegiant thing? Saw the no. first nope. one. Was it any good? It's it's not for our age level. It's definitely it's, a YA it's book. It's definitely a YA book, and okay. you can tell... Um, I get what they're trying to do with the film, and I actually know a lot of people that you know that are younger that really, really like that first film. 
Um, they said it really kind of took them right back to the books. Uh, I never read the books, so I mean, I just caught it on HBO one night, so I didn't really have a frame of reference other That's than... That's the best way to catch something like that, I yeah. think. So, yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see any of the other... So if you need a Legion to happen, happen for you, yay, it's coming to stars. and Enjoy yourself, my friend. Uh, but the rest of us will go to the next news you don't give a shit about. Uh, I thought you said there weren't many of these. God. NBC is giving the Munsters another try. I heard about uh, this. With okay. late night host Seth Meyers and Jill Kargman, star and creator of Ob- Odd Mom Out, heading up the project. Uh, the new version of the Munsters will be developed this year for next pilot season. Seth Myers. Seth Myers. I thought yes. it was the other Seth that was connected to this thing. Damn. This is the third possible version of the Munsters after NBC tried to bring it back as Mockingbird Lane, a pilot executive produced by Brian Fuller, you know, the the great you know, Brian Fuller behind American right. Gods, Hannibal, and directed by Brian Singer. Uh, the pilot aired on Halloween 2012, but the darker, dramatic take did not get picked up to series. Uh, the newest edition of The Munsters will head back to its comedy roots, bringing the quirky family loosely based on old Universal monsters to the outer boroughs of New York City, where The Hollywood Reporter reports they'll be struggling to fit in with hipster Brooklyn, unquote. Oh, boy. Uh, Kargman is writing the pilot script. Myers will be will bring the Mike Shoemaker as his production partner. Universal TV produced the original cult hit, which picked up more fans in syndication thanks to decades of reruns than it did its initial three-year release. Uh, Monsters dealing with hipsters. I can't wait not to watch this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yikes. And I don't think there's anything more to just be said about no. that weekend geek. Yay! This one is weird. This is one that almost has its own category. It's kind of a long story, so bear with me. But it's bizarre. All right. I'm just just going to start it. (laughs) A new player has thrown its hat into the ring of scripted television in regard to a cult favorite genre TV show. Porn site X Hamster. Oh, I read this. Has yeah. offered a lifeboat for the n- recently Netflix canceled show Sense Eight, in hoping of getting a third season green lit. Oh, that's bizarre. Yes. Co-creators uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski were sent a letter by ex Hamster Vice President Alex Hawkins with an offer to produce the show's third season and become the permanent home for the series. Did they say a yes? serious offer? Did yeah, no, I, yes. yeah, I saw this. It's a serious offer. Hawkins boasts that the adult website's daily traffic is larger than that of the New York Times, ESPN, or the Daily Mail, so they can offer an audience and the revenue needed to produce the immensely expensive television show and give the series a long leash to retain its current audience who might need to accept the need to visit a porn site <laughs> for more sense eight or build their audience from the ex-hamster user base to a size that it deserves. Uh, Sense8 films in several countries, on location, in different languages. So hurting mainstream viewers has always been a challenge, even at Netflix. Along with the Wachowskis, who direct and write episodes, J. Michael Straczynski, Babylon 5 creator, Rising Stars, is a co-creator and writer, and Tom uh, Twyker from Run Lola Run, James McTeague from V for Vendetta, Dan Glass, who's the visual effects supervisor, all all additional directors. 
But as much as Netflix loved the show, the viewing numbers, which the company never publicizes, uh, against the costs made it hard to justify going further. Lana Wachowski backed up the claim of low numbers in a letter to the fans, but was genuinely stunned by what happened next. Netflix canceled the series shortly after its second season dropped. And then the fans responded with their disappointment, flooded the digital streamer with petitions and pleas for the show's extension using the hashtag RenewSense8. And surprisingly, Netflix gave the show a reprieve and allowed the Wachowskis and Straczynski a chance to close the series out with a two-hour movie-length episode to wrap up the cliffhanger ending of season two and any other resolved threads. Now the creators have a new deal to consider. So rather than picking up the series after a two-hour movie, X-Hamster is offering to let the series pick up from season two and continue moving forward. It's an aggressive move and a little puzzling to see an offer like this go public. And uh, odd that Straczynski was left off the letter as a co-creator. Still, Hawkins' letter continues with why they would be a fit for the series. Quote, We know that a series about polymorphous perversity is hard to sell for a mainstream network like Netflix. We have no such limitations and also understand implicitly the interconnectedness of sexualities across boundaries. In short, we are a we, unquote. Hawkins is likely referring to some of the orgy scenes that appeared in the series as eight main characters are mentally and emotionally linked, uh, tuned into each other's needs and desires. They can communicate with each other as sensates, or being homo sensorium, sharing their knowledge, abilities, and skills. In addition to the letter, Hawkins was interviewed with about some unique advantages. They're able to offer to cater to the individual's taste and sex scenes to create a user-driven experience. Quote, Sense8 is already a very sex-forward show, Hawkins told GQ, but I do think that it could be more explicit. But really, it's up to the Wachowskis and the actors. We just want to be a platform for their vision. Unquote. Well... I mean, has anybody here watched it? There's, there's still no. more, but, but go ahead and. Uh, I mean, jump, I, jump I, in. I watched the first season, and I think it might be the first episode. There is a scene where uh, a trans woman is being uh, done from behind by her female lover with a strap on. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The female lover is played by the woman who played Martha from uh, um, Doctor Who. Um, and oh, she pulls uh, the strap on out. You don't see the actual insertion, but you see a sort of sticky, slopping strap on pulled out of somewhere and flopped onto the bed. Oh, all right. Yeah. So it's it's that was graphic. It's pretty graphic. Yeah. That's, uh, continuing the story, the series' multi-layered science fiction drama has international appeal and is LGBTQ friendly, which may be why X Hamster is genuinely drawn to the show as true fans. Uh, Sensate won the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Drama Series 2016, received two nominations for the Dorian Awards, which are organized by the Gay and Lesbian Entertainment Critics Association in the categories uh, for Show of the Year and Campy TV Show of the Year. Uh, Hawkins added in his letter that they had a, quote, long history of fighting for the rights of sexual speech and non-normative sexuality. It also goes on to say that in addition to connecting billions of users with individual articulations of gender and sexuality, they continued to battle against anti-repressive, uh, anti-gay uh, laws, stateside and overseas, sexual education in public schools, Planned Parenthood, and the rights of the sex worker trade. Uh, 
giving how porn sites understand their users' experience and needs and how influential the industry is in advancing technology, Super 8 film to VHS to killing Betamax, uh, Blu-ray over HD DVD, and the internet with e-commerce, high-speed demands, and high-definition streaming video. It's, it could be foolish to underestimate a move, underestimate a move like this. That still remains seen if Wachowskis and Straczynski would consider the adult website as the next home to ensure future seasons. Otherwise, they have two hours left to produce. All creators and cast members have been silent so far on the social networks, at least, regarding the latest pitch. So what do you think about this? Why not? What a weird... Just go for it. It's not like they don't have the money to do it. Right. I mean, it's one of the highest trafficked sites on the internet, and there's a huge subscriber base, not to mention their advertising revenue. So, yeah. It's a weird game changer right there. it, 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 It really is. Yeah. And, and let's say, perfect. Let's. What's, oh God! What? What's, what's with this ex hamster? Uh, you know, you're at work. I'm watching Sense Eight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is. It becomes the excuse. <laughs> I'm watching Sense Eight. What else yeah, can I do? But, but I don't get to watch Sense Eight at work. Oh, I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are now. <laughs> and that's why we had a strip club in town called the Library. I. God, let's the library. say about that place. This goes forward, and since eight is on X Hamster now, uh, one does it? Do they make you pay for? It? Is this part of the free streaming stuff? And two, do if they're successful, do they then seek out other original programming? Well, that's obviously the next step. If this breaks through, then they will start looking for other stuff. I'm sure it would be a subscription based, just like every other thing, because I mean, it it would probably just for them be like uh okay so you already have a subscription to our site etc because i know they have like a free site and a subscription site if i remember correctly oh you know more than that come on just <laughs> no i don't i don't <laughs> okay. really know x hamster all that well <laughs> i'm just picturing <laughs> it's not one little, of his choices right? i'm picturing oh, another yeah. little box in the grid next to you uh, know milf and uh bondage and, <laughs> but and uh, uh it's it. But yeah, if I remember correctly, they do have a subscription uh, service as well as the free service. So I would imagine they would probably put it under the subscription service as an added bonus. Like, you know, like, well, you're already a subscriber. You can now access this in addition to everything else. Would be my guess. Now I'm just curious as to what other adult scripted series would be... uh, Good for that to it's X Hamster. If you're listening, I am working on a script for Debbie Does Taxes, and I'm <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, you, ten years ago, a little more than that. Uh, they tried cable, one of the cable, I think it might have been HBO, tried a, a more explicit series called Tell Me You Love Me, which is just about relationships. Um, and it was kind of soft core pornish. It wasn't full on uh, explicit porn, but it definitely went further than uh, than an R rating. Further than Cinemax. Um. Well, it was along those lines. Okay. But it was it was a serious production and dealt with relationship issues as opposed to you know the story and the characters being a framing device just for sex scenes gotcha so it wasn't red shoe diaries right too. gotcha right. okay and, and but dude that show i remember that even show. even so it was known in hollywood as that porn show 
Oh wow! And um, it uh, was, the actors moved on, but um, I, I just I'm wondering how this if this were to happen how it would break the industry. We've come a long way. I mean, porn is more normalized in yeah, mainstream life than than ever before. I mean, yeah, you even have you know, more crossover actors and actresses right, than you've yeah. ever had before. I mean, for a while there it was just like Ron Jeremy and uh uh Jenna Jameson were the only ones that were doing both mainstream and hardcore. Now seems like every other film there's a background actress and i'm like where have i seen her before she looks familiar <laughs> um, it's like, oh shit i remember i know who that is i don't recognize her with the clothes on yeah, <laughs> right i wouldn't go that so. far away, <laughs> that's my favorite browser star <laughs> but yeah be, no i mean be, there's oh there's her o face you're okay, right i remember we, her <laughs> I, I don't know i i don't think maybe we're quite there yet not saying that we should or shouldn't be i'm just saying that yeah. uh uh, it does seem to be much more acceptable for most people. I mean, there are still the prudes that, you know, oh, this is bad, it's a sin, blah, 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 blah. No, so I'm sure, that. yeah, there's, well, and there's it's, always going to be that. And it's not just that, too. There's, um, they're actually called SWERFs, S-W-E-R-F, which are sex worker exclusionary um, radical feminists. And it's that part of feminism that feels that pornography contributes to ah. misogyny. And so there are feminists who are actually take a hard line against explicit porn. Right. And uh, are actually take a hard line towards sex workers in general. Which is weird considering that that particular industry is one of the few where the women hold most of the power. Well, I should say in the mainstream porn industry, if you're talking about yeah. some of your newer like websites and stuff, it's gone yeah. back to the, you know... You're getting paid nickels on the yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so the, the, but streaming and the internet has destroyed the old porn yeah. right uh, you don't get economic those, model. You don't get those wicked contracts anymore. No. Yeah, and the girls and uh, to stay, uh, 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 nah, fuck, I can't remember. There was some documentary that talked about porn and the change. And oh, is it uh, Hot Girls Wanted? Because that's a that's a good one. It's on Netflix. Might Another have been. one too, Girl Next Door or something like that. Yeah, it might yeah, have been. Yeah, like God, that. it was. I can't remember the t name, but it talked about how girls enter porn, and they'll be in demand and they'll command good uh, pay for the first year or two. But to continue in the business, they have to go more and more. The niche. fetishism, yes, yeah. yeah, that's that's hot girls wanted because yeah. that uh, what he's talking about is. The way the industry with the internet and everything is now, basically, they bring these girls in as quote unquote amateurs. Right. So they're getting paid, you know, a couple hundred dollars a scene, but they're having to do, you know, 40, 50 scenes a week. Oh, Jesus. Like, uh, like in fact, one of the, the actresses in, in, in the, that documentary ends up, you know, having a medical issue because she was doing too many scenes. What, chafing? You know? Uh, you'd have to see it. I don't. Okay. I don't remember the specifics of it, but uh, but yeah. And and because they can keep them as quote unquote amateurs, they're able to pay them less. They're able to exploit them more. You know, across like basically they'll shoot one scene, but they'll spread it across like you know a hundred <laughs> different websites that are in a different network, etc. 
So, you know, what they're getting paid for the scene is only like, you know, a tenth of what that scene is now making, et cetera. So, hmm. but having to keep them working and working and working and working. And until somebody major like, say, Vivid sees them and goes, oh, this is somebody we want to sign. They're really not making the kinds of money they think they're going to be making when they enter the industry. It's, it's a really fascinating documentary. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, hmm. I'm pretty sure it's called Hot Girls Wanted. Uh, okay. I believe it is still on Netflix. It's in the it's, documentary section. Uh, we'll watch this story. This might be the last we hear of it because I have a feeling this is going to be an ignored level right. letter and we'll get the two-hour movie. And that's, you, that's you think it. this is Probably. the equivalent of uh, Hustler uh, offering people to pose that aren't ever going to pose? Yes. Okay. I, I do. But right. who yeah. knows? Yeah. Although, I mean, if anybody was going to take them up on that offer, it was probably the Wachowskis. Right. They, they well, do tend to push the envelope yeah. in, as far as... No, I, yeah, I'm not outright saying this is not going to happen. Probably won't, but it is a, it's going to be interesting. It is a very interesting show, but it is a very weirdly sexual show, too. It's definitely one that frightens the horses. You'd be surprised how much money talks, though, Todd. It's true. If they, it's true. If they offer enough to where it just blows Netflix out of the water... They'll probably do it. And Wachowskis don't have the Hollywood power they used to have. Yeah. No. They, well, I mean, you know, failure after failure. Yeah. Um, I think what saved them on this series, if I had to guess, not having seen it, is probably the Straczynski connection. He's an excellent writer. Well, yeah. he's an excellent writer, but what's even better is he's a great partner. So he tends to elevate the people he works with. Yeah. And makes them a better, you know, writer, producer, etc. Jupiter Ascending is an excellent example. It's visually a very stunning movie. Script-wise, because it is just a Wachowski script, it's really tough to watch Mm -hmm. because the story has potential, but it's it's just it's so poorly written. I mean, even Mm. the dialogue is terrible. You got some really good actors in this film that can't do anything with the dialogue you know they're they're doing their best and you have you know uh i forget what the guy's name is that plays one of the villains he's an oscar-winning actor and he's doing his best with the material well that's to why turn you it don't give it to nice. lucas for a polish right mm. no <laughs> there's that uh marvel xd week is coming xd sorry people sorry sorry (laughs) marvel xd week coming to select nobody's gonna cover it come on what was that again (laughs) it's coming to select cinemark theaters nationwide i believe you said marvel xd i did and d is in dick and x is in extra that's extra dick extra dick 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 all the time extra dick in the movie theater it's dick 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 marvel at all the extra dick (laughs) marvel it's marvel's extra dick you want to go to a movie theater be ready for some dick because here comes some marvel triple excelsior (laughs) xd hulk smash watch the vision for some dick if you there you go, folks. That's yeah. the best we can do. <laughs> Not just one dick, two dicks. Disney and Marvel. Oh. XD. So this is happening this weekend at Cinemark Theaters. Yes. If you live near a showing, you'll get in on a screening of 11 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. What? Five bucks each. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 And, like, ridiculously heard... cheap concessions, too, if I yeah. recall. Yeah. Uh, for those who want to marathon it, there is a different Marvel theme every day. Uh, Origins takes off with Stark Tower on August 25th with uh, Iron Man, Gardens of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, and Doctor Strange. Cosmic 
shoots into space on August 26th with Thor, Guardians Volume 2, Avengers, and I, I think I read that twice. So they're not showing him in order. They're showing him in, yeah, in, groups. Uh, in groupings. They're doing, yeah, like fan favorite, Captain America. Um, yeah, uh, there's team-ups night yeah. and day, and that's a Guardians, Captain Civil War, and uh, both Avengers. Uh, there's fan favorites, Cap's Best Of, First Avengers, and Guardians Day. And everything, as you were saying, everything at the concession stand will be between 2 and $3. And yes, to Ooh. answer your question, Andy, it is happening here. Uh, I believe it's at the Orleans, Samstown, that, that, and... Oh, crap. And it's like five one. movies a day. Yeah. So you, you pay like 25 bucks and watch five movies? Yeah. If you wanted to spend all day in the theater, absolutely. Wow. Five old and unemployed. It's, it's running August 25th through the 31st. So I did the Lord of the Rings extended edition. Me too. Marathons wow, and that, 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 that is that, that taught you. That's some that's some work. It was tough. That's I mean, some work. That seat gets uh, now. If this was in one of the recliner seat yeah. movie theaters, the like, mm. Orleans has. Uh, <coughs> yeah, the Orleans oh, yeah. has. Uh, okay, starting on Friday, uh, one o'clock. Iron Man. Four o'clock. Guardians of the Galaxy. Seven o'clock. Ant Man. 10 o'clock, Doctor Strange. See, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. I did so, have yeah. that right. I didn't know that Orleans had put in recliners. Yeah, yeah. they did. Pretty much everywhere wow. has. Why do you think I go there for $5 Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. I, I, I never thought to ask you, Jeff. I've invited <laughs> you a couple of times, and you're like, oh, really? I've got yeah. things to do. It sounds well, just see, like you. You see, you didn't tell me about the recliner seats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guess what? I don't have anything to do. I'll come with it right over right now. <laughs> I so think one of the times you were doing Toro, so. But it's a one-day thing. No, no. it's uh, it's until I think next Wednesday. Damn. Starts Friday. It's like it's like four 25th or five days through the thirty-first. Yeah. Damn. Different Dude, movies each day. There's yeah. there's so many Marvel movies you couldn't do them all in one day. Right. I wouldn't suggest trying. Not either. to mention they're not running it in every single theater at the multiplex. So. A little piece of sadness. Uh, actor Sonny Landham. Uh, best known for playing tracker Billy Soul in Predator, yep. died in Lexington, Kentucky at the age of 76. Landon started his career starring in over a dozen adult films. Uh, he played a... What? Pol- yeah. He really? Played, I didn't know yeah. that either. He wow, played we got a, a thematic thing going on Yes, here. we do. <laughs> he played a policeman in his first major mainstream role in Walter <laughs> Hill's... Uh, I thought you were going to say a policeman in his first porn. <laughs> Probably that too, though. Maybe. <laughs> I, have no, I have no proof. Uh, and his first major mainstream role in Walter Hill's 1979 cult hit, The Warriors. Wow. And he starred in nearly 50 projects over his career. I'm trying to remember where he was in The Warriors. Dude. He was a police officer he, in the first, in the background. He was a police officer. He was one of the two police officers that go after um, James Remar's character when Mercedes Rule slaps the cuffs on him and chains him to the... Okay. The, the park yeah, bench. Yeah, yeah. But it's really funny because it's actually not a big role no. at all. Yeah. No. Uh, the Native American actor, part Seminole, part Cherokee, was known for his tough guy roles and performed frequently as a stuntman. In addition to Predator, Landon appeared in Poltergeist, Action Jackson, Maximum Force, and Carnival of Wolves. That, God, that, I remember him in Action Jackson. That, that, that was <laughs> freaky. Such a great, crazy, stupid 80s movie. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's funny. That's, Vernon made me watch that, and he still apologizes to this day. <laughs> wow. You didn't like Action, Action Jackson? Jackson yeah, I, well, you know, I, love, I love Carl Weathers, but yeah, no, that was... Former Kansas City Chief, Carl Weathers. It was so funny. Um, Vernon 
like uh, early afternoon texts me, dude, I want to watch Predator tonight. I'm just jonesing for Predator. Let's do it. I'll come over after work. And I was, uh, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> and, you know, we slapped this together. And we had actually finished watching Predator. He had stepped out for a cigarette. And I'm just scrolling through. And up popped the news. And when he came in, I told him, I was like, dude, it, he died today. And it kind of blew us away. Because we really did just get a Jones to watch to watch Predator. Mm. And, and, you know, his his character was really cool. Well, that's Landon's version of the quickening. Once he dies, that all shoots out and uh, just goes to everybody. Everybody wants to watch Predator. I guess so. Yeah, sure. So that is not the story I thought we were going to tell. I thought we were going to explain how he got to watch Action Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> So did I. <laughs> Burning Wing. almost watched Dude, Action you got to watch Action Jackson. It's so, so he, delightful. So he'd actually 80s. seen it and liked it. and then He did. He he remembers it. That explains it, it's a one lot. Of, it's the rose-colored oh, glasses. Oh, okay. Because, you know. It's a cheesy, fun, typical 80s action film, yeah. you know. Hero is, you know, but feeling the, like he's in the right. Nobody believes him, et the, cetera. Up against a high-powered politician for me the problem was uh, weathers deserved better because i think well, he, yeah. he was a, he was a, i think he was a great actor and i would have loved for him to have had a much better vehicle well yeah mm. that was supposed to be his starring vehicle yeah and, and it, uh, unfortunately and, and the man never had it the man mm. never had it he he had his biggest moments predator was one of them uh but probably as apollo creed right you know and and even there n- you know none of those rocky movies were his movie yeah right it so, was sylvester stallone right. rocky well, whichever and, number and, and it was about rocky always yeah. yeah so so he deserved better he really did because he 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 certainly had the physique um and i think the charisma for an action movie and he just needed a good director and a good script to actually because there are i mean he's right jeff is right it's a typical 80s action movie but it's a typical b-list 80s action movie Mm. it is very formulaic yeah (laughs) oscar nominated director steven daldry who did uh, billy elliott and the reader is in early talks to direct an obi-wan kenobi movie which would join the anthology series of spin-off films that already includes Rogue One and the upcoming Han Solo prequel, and also Variety reports that a standalone film about Jabba the Hutt is currently in development at Lucasfilm. <laughs> oh, now there's a Scorsese man. movie I can get oh, behind. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I should have... My God. My God. You know, they're just the going to milk that for every character they can aren't they and it'll be blue milk i think it's and i think it's a mistake (laughs) i I, I do i think these spin-off movies i do the occasional big known characters but let's talk other stories of the goddamn universe i think i think the non sequel films need to be more like rogue one you know the you know, not even unknown, that. I mean, I mean, as far as like unknown characters, sure. side stories, yes, stuff. But that's even going that to, wasn't even a side story. It turns yeah, out. Well, yeah, but I mean, like stuff right. that takes place in the universe that is maybe necessary to the overall arcing story. I'm not even but, saying that. But not be characters that you know already. People in this universe are affected by this 
the Empire's existence right. and the rebels' uh, attacks on the Empire. I right. want to see some of their stories of them dealing with their own shit amongst this happening. You want to right. see the Agents right. of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes sure. of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that actually is a good way to put it, Andy. I, yeah. I, I, I agree with I mean, it's funny because I think for all the, the non-Skywalker family characters, the only one who really could have some... Uh, legs for his own movie, I think, would be Boba Fett. But otherwise... Because he's a mystery when it comes down exactly, to it. Exactly, exactly. Except in the, you know, so, the novels I mean, that don't count. Jabba the Hutt, crikey. That's that's a weird one. Now... I uh, mean, I even don't think there should be a Han Solo movie. I know a lot of people are jonesing for it, but yeah, well, why, that, why add more weird. to the character's background when you don't really need to know that much more to make the character interesting. I do not oppose an Obi Wan movie if, if as rumor has it, it's you and McGregor. If they do, if they try to do, <laughs> do young Obi Wan Kenobi, I don't even know what the fuck you would do there. Yeah, right. But Ewan, I mean, he was one of the reasons to watch the prequels. Sure, mm-hmm. and I get so behind that statement. I would, enj- I would enjoy, I would love to see him continuing to play Obi. You know what I want to see? It was so what what the original Sith. Back, back. That whatever. would be oh, great. Mean, like yeah. old, old, old Republic 4, sti- yes. style Sith? origin yes. story. That, that would be neat. Just the first, the first Sith and his apprentice. Yeah, that's that's it. That that's a good. really good untapped. Oh, story it's definitely. I mean, they've got, they've got whether they tap into expand uh, legends, legendary le- legends, uh, legends, uni- uh, lore or not, they've got a potential for rich background. It's always. I mean, people have made the arguments that Star Wars is about the Skywalker family, but I personally think that there's plenty of rich stuff out there they could tap into yeah. if they Star want. Star Wars is about the Skywalker family because Lucas has made it about the Star Wars family thus far. Yeah. And that's the only reason why. They're, the books themselves have shown that there's good stories out there without even involving a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So it can be done. Do it for God's sake. That, that's open, the, open up this universe a little bit. It's one of the reasons why I wish they would they would move forward with the TV series because right. <clears throat> you can see a Capro yeah. movie on Coruscant. Sure. Or, uh, yeah. 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 Or yeah. some kind of a detective style story, like right. or even like a Law and Order start story because that they're supposed be they're supposed to be the peacekeepers. So you know, of course they're going to have to investigate some you know thing and have to. Bring whoever's responsible to justice. I and they now, now I'm just picturing there's some comedian who's talking about those shows, Law and Order, Coruscant. <laughs> but, but he's talking, ding, ding. But he's talking about the all those cop shows, and it's like the people they're interviewing <coughs> just keep doing the shit they're doing while they're being interviewed. The guy's like, you know, you see the same guy, like he's moving boxes while he's being interviewed. Right, right. And it's like, how many times have you been interviewed about a murder, buddy? That you're just bored with it. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of want to see that in the Star Wars universe, you know. Yeah. I do agree with you, Kirsten. I think Ewan McGregor definitely deserves to have sure. an Obi-Wan vehicle that is well-written because it was tough in those prequels watching somebody that is as talented <laughs> as act, an actor as he is doing his best with the material and, you know... Taking a backseat to cry, baby? Yeah. yeah. I mean... And, and, and he... He I mean, still managed he to do some something. Yeah, he did. He, you know, uh, uh, said him and Ian McDermott, I think, are the two to watch in those movies, and and you know, it, it goes to the old acting standby that for some reason classically trained British actors can grab a hold of whatever script and give it something, 
which speaks to whatever you want to call the classical technique. Because I, you know, I mean... it's a good point. In, in Revenge of the Sith, I kind of felt for Obi-Wan because, you know, here's this person that, you know... I couldn't identify at all with the way Anakin was written, but I can identify with the way that Obi-Wan was written. Is you know, here's somebody that he has fought alongside for years and has now turned. And you know, when he screams, he's like, "You were the chosen one." Yes. You know, you were my brother. All of and those. You could see all of those hackneyed, yeah. pulpy lines. Yeah. And he's delivering that now. Yeah. You contrast and he's dealing it with emotion, and you can see contrast the pain. with Natalie. Yeah, Portman's very Anakin. You're breaking my heart. Right, she is one of the best of her generation, yes. and that was still um, a, a clunker of a line. Yeah, mm. it was just you know, it 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 it, it did. Yeah, I really he does. I think it's the accent. <laughs> it's the accent. It could be <laughs> that that accent will make any uh, those uh, bastards. <laughs> a garbage pale kids documentary is coming. It's titled 30 Years of Garbage. The film tells the history of the Garbage Pail Kids from their start as an underground parody of the popular 80s toy Cabbage Patch Kids uh, and through the legal action that was brought upon the creators by the Cabbage Patch people. Uh, Mm -hmm. 30 Years of Garbage has been directed by current Garbage Pail artists Joe Simcoe and Jeff Zapata, former art director at Topps Trading Card. Uh, The original artists, creators, and actors from the 87 film discuss the history of the Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, wow. It's currently being screened in limited release around the country uh, and goes a little wider on 920, but will also be available on digital. Hmm. I can't remember. Did they, they ended up winning that suit. Yes. Right, because they, I'm pretty they sure. were covered under parody. I don't know. I haven't seen the documentary. Law. Okay. Well, I just, I just wondered if you remembered back when that you know, suit was I going don't. on. I, I remember that it happened, but I don't know. Because I remember thinking at the time going, really, you're going to sue them over a parody? Mm. Which, you know, there are laws against that, you know. Right. But you want to know how it turned out? Watch the documentary? Yeah. I actually plan to. That's yeah, actually good. really cool. I and then find out about the San Diego chicken. Don't even bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon has put the Galaxy Quest TV show back in development. I heard, yeah. I heard that. With Paul Shearer from The League signed on to write the new script. Uh, the first draft was put together by the film's original writer, Robert Gordon. Uh, The initial report didn't have many plot details, but Slash Film confirms the studio is wanting to lure back original stars Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell, and Daryl Mitchell. Those are some expensive actors now. Yeah. Uh, Well, maybe not Daryl Mitchell. Okay, maybe not. To reprise their roles. TV stuff. Uh, Though films... uh, Through... uh, Though fans of the original film would likely love to see a straight-up continuation of the original film... The report goes on to note they could be used to launch a reboot of the fictional Galaxy Quest series from the first film to focus on a younger cast. Not surprising. Uh, The original Galaxy Quest hit the big screen in 99, focused on the stars of the defunct sci-fi series who are drafted into a real-life galactic war. Uh, The film was a modest box office hit, but gained a huge following in the years since release. Mm -hmm. So, Galaxy Quest moving forward. Interesting. If they bring back the original cast, I, I, I'm in, interested to see how they deal with uh, you know the character of Tommy because Daryl Chill Mitchell uh, was I think was in a car accident was paralyzed from the waist down, hmm. um, so um. you know is is confined to a wheelchair but still acting. Uh. He's he's on NCIS New Orleans currently. Um, is really good at his character. Um, What's his name? Wheels. 
Uh, I'm totally blanking out on the character's name right now, but he's he's an IT whiz. Uh, no, like, no, you don't have to. Just, you know, that's, it's that's weird. Famous Paul one. just his balls just tingled. Yeah. He has no idea why. Weirdly enough, Burger King had like a bunch of characters, like kid-based characters. Oh, at that's some point, right. And the kid in the wheelchair was Wheels. That's right. Oh God, I forgot about those. He was the Mayor McCheese of Burger King. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, the bait interesting to do with him, but also, what are they going to do with um, 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 Quick Help? Oh, uh, I grabbed Thor's hammer. That's yeah. it. Alan Rick. That's why Thank it you. seems like this would be more of a passing of the torch to the, the new, the next generation version of so, Galaxy Quest, if you will. So, like, they might guest star on, like, the first episode or something, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, turn it over. That's nice. my guess. Yeah. Well, money-wise, Soft it's almost got to be that way. Right. I love this next piece. This next piece is beautiful. Con Man, the, the show starring and created by Alan Tudyk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is coming still- to television, finally. Why wow. ah. Sci-Fi picked up the first two seasons of the series for broadcast on the network beginning in September. Oh, good. Uh, Con Man debuted on Vimeo and Comic-Con HQ, you know, two subscription goddamn things. Uh, it's a short-form web series... Uh, that was the Comic-Con HQ. Right. Receiving critical acclaim, two Emmy nominations even. And a huge list of guest stars. Yes, the story of Ray Narrowly, that's Tudyuk, mm-hmm. a TV actor who co-starred on a cult hit sci-fi series, Spectrum, as the pilot. He now, pi- he now travels the convention circuit, cashing in on his cult fame. The story is loosely based on Tudyuk's own experiences with Firefly. Nathan Fillion has a recurring role as the former captain on Spectrum, who managed to spin out a successful career playing a TV detective. Huh. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, the series takes those basic truths and spins them into increasingly ridiculous and wild situations, with guest stars along the way who include sci-fi greats from across the ages. Uh, Trisha Helfer, uh, Amy Acker, Will Whedon, uh, Nolan North, Casper Van Dien, Sean Astin, uh, Sean Marr, uh, and Lou Ferrigno. So you'll be able to catch Con Man on Sci-Fi Channel this fall. Hmm. That's really cool, because yeah. I've been sitting waiting for like a long time for that to come out on some form of home video, sure. Blu-ray, etc., so I could buy it. Because I, I, you know, I would have subscribed to watch it, but I really would love to have a hard copy to keep supporting mm-hmm. that. But uh, that's awesome. And the I'm description makes that. it sound like Tudyk uh, <coughs> fell off the world after uh, Firefly got canceled. He hasn't exactly been sitting on no, his butt. No, the character, the yeah. character in this did fall off the like like all he has is like convention and like the occasional television guest star. But Tudyk back, is back to Galaxy This Quest. is Tudyk's baby. He Tudyk, yeah, that that's his series. But Tudyk is like one of the hardest working guys. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's doing verse, voice work and animation. He's doing a lot of guest star roles on both. Television and movies. I mean, the man is. He was busy. in uh, Rogue One, right? He was the voice he was of the robot. Uh, Rogue the yeah. robot. Uh, I can't think of the character. K2SO. Thank you. CBS and fan film producer James Cawley, who does Star Trek New Voyages. Yes. They are creating the Star Trek Film Academy, a film school for Star Trek fan filmmakers. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow. yeah him and, he uh, was at the uh, Star Trek convention with Mike and Denise Okuda, and they announced that on stage. The Star Trek Film Academy will be based in Ticonderoga, New York, home of Crowley's New Voyager set, which was built according to the original blueprints of the 66-69 series. The New Voyages also has the distinction of being an officially licensed set tour. 
According to Ars Technica, quote, this marks the first official CBS-sanctioned fan filmmaking effort in Star Trek's 50-plus year history. But more than that, it's the first time in history a big-budget production company will actively help create fan films. CBS has obviously softened its stance toward fan filmmaking after its lawsuit for copyright infringement over the fan film Axnar in 2015. CBS released fan filmmaking guidelines that specified what fans can do, uh, produce only 15-minute episodes, for example, and cannot do, use professional actors and filmmakers, for example. So, yeah, Fan Filmmaking Academy. Where is it? At Ticonderoga, New York. Ticonderoga, New York. Huh. I have been trying to figure out how to get up there because I want to go do that set tour. Okay. Uh, it's offic- like I said, it's officially licensed. I've known several people that now have gone and done it. Well, Jeff, it's uh, easy. You got to head to McCarran. You got to get a ticket to either Albany. <laughs> Albany, Albany is the nearest airport to Ticonderoga, and then it's still another hour and a half drive from there. I hear Enterprise picks you up. Uh, hey, <laughs> uh, my my issue right now is trying to find a reasonably priced flight into Albany from here. And as of right now, I haven't been able to find one. But, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I've I've known about the tour for a little while. And uh, like I said, the Kali and the Akutas announced that at the Star Trek convention, and that was good. Lord, that was cool. up there. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's like an hour and a half north of Albany. There you go. Yeah. Just swing by Niagara while you're up there. Have a, yeah, have a, have can, a time. You can, you can fly into New York City and then take a train, which is like a five-hour train ride. Which well, that about, sounds nice. Apparently, it's about the same amount of time as if you were to just drive it. So Yeah, take the train. It's, it's, Get in uh, you the can fly in from car. Montreal. You could drive in from Montreal and it'd be about the same distance. Hit the bar car. Jeez. <laughs> but then I'd have to fly to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> It's Mon- not so bad. Montreal's, <laughs> Montreal's a better city than Albany, I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> yeah, big time. Albany is... Um, the state capital. <laughs> oh, dropping in uh, knowledge. Albany is lacking in some a certain amount of excitement. Right. Uh, in any. Yeah. It is, uh, <laughs> it, it is the Cleveland, Ohio of New York City. Well, Ticonderoga um, is not exactly You just lost all our Ohio either. listeners. Uh, oh, wow. No, no. Cleveland yeah. people know. Cleveland is actually a really good cartoonist town, so they, they milk it all the time. No one in um, Indiana cares if you see it on Fort Wayne. <laughs> yeah. And Montreal, great strip clubs. Oh, yeah, yeah actually. Make it an overnight. My, uh, Some of the best in North America, uh, apparently. My roommates when I was apparently. living in Boston, uh, yeah. Apparently. My roommates mm. in Boston loved it so much, they, there was a, there was a strip club the called the... Uh, no, there was a strip club <laughs> called the... Uh, the 696 and they actually wrote a song about it so i, I they, my my roommates were essentially a replacement cover band a lot of the stuff they did was a replacement songs <laughs> okay. but they had mixed in their own stuff as well other stuff and there was a 696 and it's like, i don't know i mean uh oh god you're gonna no, say no, no, you go. oh my god <laughs> Paul's balls are tingling Get again. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. No, oh, no, good. No, 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 tingle stop. Paul Damn says there's a disturbance in his voice. Yeah. Oh, don't watch yourself. I could find that on here and play it out I of the I was phone. psychologically ready for it. Yeah, the, 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 funny, the other funny thing is a replacements cover band, My Roommates, is actually a good name for <laughs> replacements cover band. So it, they probably weren't even Andy's roommates. Yeah. It's just the band, My Roommates. No, they're actually called the Barking Brains. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I need to fly into Montreal and then drive down. Huh? That's what you're telling me. Um, it's uh, yeah, that'd be a better thing than Albany. <laughs> yeah, 
Although it seems like it'd be a little rough to rent a car to go from yeah. the border. Crossing yeah. boundaries, that's tricky. <laughs> that seems, yeah, that seems a little... Go. Oh, yeah, you're going to get pulled aside because the rental cars, that's like a red flag. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not only that, I imagine it has a hell of a deposit. Probably. Probably. Uh, okay, I remember. Where did you say uh, you're driving, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend no. that you want to know me. I just want you to show me how far five bucks can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was part of the chorus. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I Is that the exchange remember rate? It. The lap dances are only it was five the, bucks? The laptops were five bucks. That's one of the reasons I loved uh, it so much. The, the laptops were five bucks? The, the lap dances. Okay. The laptops were something else. <laughs> hey, there was a club I went back to in Lawrence that lap that dances laptops? were five bucks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's your Ticonderoga? Write to us. Comments <laughs> at UglyCopsShow.com. Where do you get com. your pencils? <laughs> <laughs> and until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check Dandy. He's going to wait his turn. Maple Leaf Matt. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week in Geek. Oh, boy. I want to hear uh, more Andy Strip song music. Oh, it's oh, so funny. Oh, I remember. No. no, you don't. You they really actually, don't. They actually did it as like kind of a rock song when I knew them, and then like later on, they they, re- they reformed the band. They deconstructed with, it. And they did it as like a slow country western thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is, this, were, a, this is a hit going way they back. Were the, they were Sing the shrugs, along, if you know the words. Yeah. The shrugs, now that's yeah. a fine alt yeah. punk shrugs. band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be an emo band? That's, a, that's, shrugs? That's, that's, that's some real John Doe X shit right care. there. Yeah.